Pokemon colon Jirachi M dash Wish Maker released June first, two thousand and four. It's one of them Pokemon movies. Perhaps you've heard of them. It sure is. Yeah, I I have heard of them, and I'm Nick Dundall. I'm Dylan Vento, and this well, this is attract mode. Pokemon, Nick. Pokemon, you gotta you gotta catch them all. You That's gotta the catch thing. them all. That's what I've been told countless times. We've caught one more uh, Pokemon movie, <laughs> and it okay. So we're we're gonna you know we're gonna get into it like we usually do. I go through everything, but it really is just such a similar breakdown every single time with these movies of like a character adjacent to ash has a deep relationship with some mythical legendary supernatural being and then that legendary being is the key to some mad scientist's plan and that mad scientist uses that power to cause something really bad to happen and then they shock it a lot with pikachu and other you know solutions and then the mythical pokemon does something usually a self-sacrifice and it's over. There was no healing water in this movie, though. We did avoid that one <laughs> standard of Pokemon films. Damn it! Yeah. No, no multitudes of the same mythical Pokemon time traveling. Right. We didn't get that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like you said, it's a lot of the same, which is like, it's like you have these settings, right? You have like this giant switchboard where you like you put these levers at certain positions to like yeah. generate a a Pokemon movie and you just adjust them slightly and then that justifies the existence of yet another one that you can put in movie theaters and then give kids limited edition Pokemon cards with. Yeah. That's what it's all about. They really want to distribute those limited edition Pokemon cards and they had to <laughs> yes. make a whole movie to do it. Right, right. We have all these Pokemon cards. How are we going to get them in the hands of children? We can't possibly just sell it to them. We also have to give them a VHS at the same time. On to the Cinematron. Did, didn't didn't you say that the last one we saw that in chronological order, that last Syllabi one, wasn't that the last one that was actually a theatrical release? I feel like that's uh, something Yeah, I said. think I said that at the time. Yeah, I, I uh, you're, you're asking me to recall an old episode, but I do believe I read that. So that everything after this was, or including this one and after, was only like a home video release or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I where do these episodes go in your brain after immediately after we record them? Because sometimes Gone. the memory Gone. recall it just is non-existent. Yeah. Well, I remember saying I, I do recall like I read that fact and I said it out loud, and that's about it. <laughs> that's I I do not hold on to this uh and i don't know i mean like why would i it's recorded i could always go back and listen <laughs> it's true that's true it's it's just it, in in the present moment like if you asked me to recall certain 
plot beats like specific like non-climactic plot beats from any of these movies i feel like i'd have a really hard time like like the memories are attached to things we said like if it wasn't particularly funny or like oh yeah we did have a good conversation about it it's just completely gone from my brain yeah it, it fully depends i think on the movie for me some of them land and some of them don't it doesn't have to necessarily be funny or something we talked about but a lot of these movies i have completely like dumped the memory on sure <laughs> it's like i don't need it i don't need it in my life i guess i mean that that helps with the recall uh if yeah, we have anything yeah. particularly good to say about it anyways we don't have much to say about this one <laughs> you haven't gleaned that from what we're talking about right now um there's some good stuff in this one there's the animation quality throughout um they do that that thing that all the pokemon movies do which is very unnecessary cg there is one particular moment that was egregious that you called out where they they made a magic rock that was out of cg and the character holding it who is a 2d character had 3d cg hands to be able to hold the 3d object rock and it just looks so janky and weird but that aside if you ignore all of the weird cg unnecessary moments decent animation including the like climactic finale like big you know big super monster at the end was genuinely kind of cool and kind of scary so i do think this one stands above a lot of the other pokemon movies as far as like you know the first one is my favorite of the pokemon movies so far i do like had that had an emotional impact that was meaningful to me um all of the others kind of churn together in my mind as like these recycled plots. But I would say this one is in the upper half, right? Like definitely better than, than half of the others. <laughs> um, and it, 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 they would be more memorable if they didn't just try to go for that same kind of emotional beat that the very yes. first one did. Like they can have their own emotional beats, but not in the same way. It's like, Oh, it's about love and connection and like connecting with this Pokemon and treating the Pokemon as like something other than a MacGuffin, which is always what the villain right. treats it as. Right. I wonder why. And I mean, I know why I fully know why, cause they're all formulaic, but why don't they ever do things where one of the existing Pokemon that we've seen throughout the series has something fantastic happen to it? Like what if, some kind of event happened that like blasted Meowth with legendary power. And so all of a sudden team rocket is like center of a plot with Meowth having godlike power. And what does that story look like? And that would be such a cooler, different take on it than, Oh, another legendary that we need to give a card. And a, but like Meowth could be the legendary in this case. It's just a temporary thing that you resolve by the end of the movie. I need to go write Pokemon movies. There's 18 <laughs> more that we have to watch, you said. So whatever the 19th one is, they need to hire me for. Gigantamax Meowth uh, yeah, movie revolving yeah. around that. Yeah, I think... I mean, you, you kind of already hit on it, right? But like all of these... All of the media surrounding Pokemon it contributes to the greater Pokemon advertising mm-hmm. merchandising Absolutely. campaign. So like you have... To, the latest movie has to surround whatever new legendary they just created for whatever new uh, video game they just created. So mm-hmm. like that all, it, it all has to, it's a unified front to mm-hmm. push that stuff onto, onto kids. Right. Like, I mean, it's very similar to like, you know, if you go back to like the eighties cartoons, right. It's like, it's why they killed Optimus prime in the animated movie. It's like, we got to sell new transformers. So we got to kill all the old guys. And so we have new ones to sell. 
and and i'm not like it, the weird thing is i'm not even opposed to that i just think you can use that marketing machine to still tell a good story and they they have no interest in that like for the most part because like the target audience is so young that yes. they, they yeah. can get away with with what they're doing so basically though i i i don't mind that they're there to make you know money to advertise these products like that's the buy-in everyone knows that's what they're getting when they go in but i do just wish there was there was some more meat on the bones but animation quality was fun to watch with this one so that that was something and not to keep hitting this point on the head but i think it, i think it's extra hard when it's something that you've grown up with and you expect it like you know in your in my brain in my nostalgic center of my brain it's like oh i want these to be so much more than they are uh and when you see those right. glints those glints of like genius or or uh something greater than the sum of its parts you're like oh you're so close you're so close it's like every new pokemon (laughs) video game when they just add that little bit more that like could potentially bring me back in as an adult pokemon fan it's like oh you're so close to like and then the next game it's gone yeah (laughs) whatever that thing was is no longer part of the game it's eternally incremental because they're working on such short development cycles it's like that's all you can that's all we can provide but that's our lamentation about the state of, of Pokemon, I guess. Um, the pre-order Pokemon Scarlet and Violet now. But this movie, Nick, where do we where do we begin with this with this film? Well, well, after the initial narration, right? We go through this like the world of Pokemon is a place full of magic and mystery, uh, and and some people are bad. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> that like that's the every setup. single time. Yeah. Uh, we do get the uh, what are they Team Magma? Is that the name? Right. Yes, we are now solidly in the like Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire third generation, and they are okay. talking about the evil teams. Like Team Rocket is now they, like they abandoned Team Rocket after Gen two in the video games, right? And now it's like mm-hmm. now every generation they're going to create a, a, a new team that are uh, diminishing returns. In my opinion, they just get worse and worse <laughs> with with each new generation. But Team Magma and Aqua, like their basic premise is that they want to resurrect these legendary, mythical, like ancient Pokemon, Groudon and Kyogre, um, and use them to either uh, increase the amount of land that's on the planet or increase the amount of water that's on the planet, respectively, depending on which uh, version which of the game you on. played. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, you get okay. enlisted at the beginning of the game. No. What if they both win? Uh, then just equal <laughs> perfect equilibrium the world yeah, is in balance nothing changes yeah <laughs> um yeah well so we have this this attempt to raise uh groudon is is sort of in the background there um but more importantly we're jumping to our favorite heroes ash and pikachu and brock is there too <laughs> yeah and our other favorite characters right who i've never seen before may and max who are a brother sister combo that you had to tell me about we had to like stop the movie and be like who are these people (laughs) and you had to fill me in but basically just third generation pokemon trainer right is is may and then the brother is max and they are traveling with 
Brock and Ash, but no Misty for who you didn't explain why she's gone. Do you want to fill that in? Dead, tragically <laughs> died in between these two. No, I think so. Like they did this with Brock too, right? Like Brock went away for a little bit, and you got Tracy Sketchit come in as his mm-hmm. replacement uh, temporarily. And I think similar to Brock, where Brock went off, he's like, I want to be a Pokemon breeder or whatever, and work in this Pokemon <laughs> lab. Uh, <laughs> that does sound like Brock. Yeah, exactly. I think Misty like goes back to Cerulean City and it's like I'm I'm gonna go back and be the gym leader mm-hmm. for a little bit. I I think and, that might be and, it. I don't remember. Maybe that's like when canonically your you know red or blue arrives <laughs> to fight Misty in town. Right. Yeah. This is all just a, back. Yeah. These are all just a, a a prologue to the actual original. Yeah. Pokemon yeah. games. <laughs> um. Well. So we've got these new characters and the collection of them are all headed to what they are calling a big party out in like out in the middle of nowhere like literally they're walking over a hillside yeah they're uh, burning man as you said yeah exactly and they're complaining about how like far it is and how they're not sure there is really something here and brock's like of course there's gonna be Mm -hmm. and uh ash is high on peyote (laughs) they end up rounding a corner or rounding a topping a hill or whatever and seeing this huge convoy of what looks to be like at my first thought was it was military like paramilitary science team uh like rolling in on these giant trucks but then they have a carousel not a carousel a ferris wheel although well they do have a carousel too i don't they know have everything yeah it, it, it's this giant festival mobile festival that like has the highest tech deployment in the world like the trucks open up and turn into buildings and the uh the you know like the ferris wheel deploys on like robotic legs and walks into place but most insane is these kids just walk into this nobody cares that there's a bunch of kids walking around this like active automated deployment zone that could easily like drop up you know a platform on someone and crush them to death um but then this guy steps out of a bus and he is dressed in like a, a circus ringleader outfit, like all white suit, top hat. Uh, no, maybe no top hat. I don't no, know. No, he has a day at this. Yeah, okay. And he drops a box and opens up that box, and out of it come these giant pink, like jelly balls, like kind of big, rubbery, floaty balls. Um, and it and it's like way too many. Like they're inflating, right? They they're too large to fit inside that box, um, as they are. But they float around, bounce into each other, and then pop. And as they pop, they deploy boxes or piles of wood. And those piles of wood form and like ratchet out into the center stage. And then a giant tent forms over that. And that's the big top. Um, and and I know we, we're in a universe, we're in a world where there's digitization technology and teleportation and like instant healing provided free healthcare. It's just all fantasy. Right, complete fantasy. <laughs> uh, but it's still wild to be like, what are the rules of this universe? Yeah. All of the automated vehicle stuff, the vehicle deployments, like it, it even starts rolling out a train track at some point to bring people to the festival <laughs> on like a giant spool. Yeah. And all that like feels like ridiculous, but practical, right? I can, that can happen. Yeah. The magic bubbles make no, like they don't tie into anything else. They're just literal magic bubbles that, you know, Willy Wonka their way into existence and, and bring out this main sage. Um, 
so it's it's like the the rules are very very fuzzy here. <laughs> yeah, what what can this guy do? Um, but basically, they're at this giant like festival that is uh, you know Pokemon and human performers alike, and it draws a massive crowd. They get to um, witness uh, you know feats of daring do and that kind of thing mm-hmm. by Pokemon. Got and every Max, kink. The- we got inflation balls. We got feats. We got <laughs> Pokemon oh, breeder. No. We have we have a a Pokemon who gets transformed into a beautiful woman. Yep. Uh, to hit the Brock audience very hard here, um, but uh, during all of this performance, Max, the youngest boy in the the adventuring group, uh, starts hearing like a voice in his head, and it's like find me save me free me that kind of thing um call me beat me if you want to reach me (laughs) yeah and they also introduce this concept during this time that there is a comet that's going to be passing overhead for the next like i don't know how many days um and and there's some clear like link to like magic comet and hearing a voice and that kind of thing yes the millennium comet as they call it because it is it occurs once a millennium every thousand years and with that Millennium Comet, you can make a wish. Uh, <gasps> and so everybody's going to like think about their wishes and whatnot. And um, w- how do we connect the stone, which we obviously will like get into, but how does that connect? Do, do they know the stone is connected to the comet in some way, or do they just Max just say that? Uh, yeah, so like Max is the only person that can hear the voice, and he is convinced that the voice is coming out of this kind of giant crystalline stone uh that the kind of uh circus ringleader and his assistant uh produce and they're like a a couple um the the magician circus ringleader name is the great butler which is (laughs) is just the worst terrible magician name um and i believe the woman's name is diane but yes they they produce Mm -hmm. it diane with her CG, CG 3D hands produces the crystalline 3D structure and Max is convinced that the voice is coming from within it and so in a uh uh act of just pure insanity to me as someone that has intense social anxiety sometimes when in a crowd he rushes the stage a a Will Smith level of bravado <laughs> yes and just walks up to this person and Ash is like, uh, kid, what are you doing? And he runs after Max. And so they're both now on the stage and the great Butler kind of rolls this into his act. Great improv on, on the part of, uh, uh, the, the great Butler, but he's like, Oh, we have two, two volunteers. And he like produces this box. He's like, all right, kids get in the box. I'm going, I'm going to light it on fire. (laughs) Going to explode it. Yeah. Um, he he brings out his dust clops and he's like, dust clops, hyper beam that box (laughs) on the count of three. And he does it, uh, but at, at like the last second, the bottom of the box drops out. The kids fall onto a track. The track launches them to the back of the room. You had a perfect prestige joke here where they just <laughs> yes. like get dropped into a vat and die. And then like a clone of them comes out the back. Um, uh, spoilers, I guess, for that movie. <laughs> but yeah, if you haven't seen the prestige. But <laughs> kind of didn't, uh, it's pretty didn't good. warn you on that one. Um but yeah, the point is though, like this guy is just a like a huckster who not well. I mean, he's an entertainer, right? He's using yeah. technology to perform 
illusions and that's you know that's what he does that's his job that's what every um, magician does right it's not like he's not like pulling a fast one over right yeah, exactly yeah um but uh the kids get to hang out with him afterwards and um they they blatantly like just say like yep jirachi the legendary mythical pokemon is inside this rock and he can only come out when the comet's overhead uh once every thousand years and if he has a friend <laughs> so max little boy i want you to be his friend um and max is very excited and i was surprised this is the one like well not not twist up because we've had the, the mythicals and legendaries and stuff show up early in the movies before but i did expect that to be like a large part of the plot is like wakening the stone somehow like get to that no it's like immediate like no, it that just cracks night, open yeah yeah <laughs> that night he wakes up and we get this little like uh naked baby <laughs> jirachi like oddly like pink flesh toned skin that makes me feel like it's like genuinely a naked baby with this big star head thing and i think it's got like the wish tassels that you know like japanese tradition they like hang out their wishes yeah. on a tree similar to um, we saw got- on that uh Oh, you weren't there for that, but when we watched the Night Stalkers uh, or Dark Stalkers oh, movie, there was a character yeah. that that had uh, similar similar stuff. Um, yeah, and then like he's like swaddled in his own wings. He has like yellow wings yeah. that are like swaddled him together, and they unfurl off of his body when he wakes up. Yeah, I I actually like the Jirachi design, even if I'm talking about it being a gross pink baby. <laughs> um, like, I think it's a decent design for a mystical kind of. It's fine. I, I don't know what their type is, but it, it reads fairy to me, you know, like yeah, yeah. this kind of, yeah. I think this was before the introduction of fairy, but it feels like it would probably be fairy now and probably normal sure. back then. But yeah, it's yeah. very Celebi, Cherubish-esque in yeah. those. It's just, I think, again, with a lot of Pokemon designs, in my opinion, and not to be the crotchety old, you know, I'm not, this is not my Pokemon. They're uh, too human. Well, it's not even that. It's that like it feels diminishing returns. Like Jirachi, in a lot of ways, feels like a uh, uh, derivation of Celebi. And then you have things like the Lake Guardians or whatever the hell they're called, and like later generations, and those feel like yeah. derivations of this. And it's like every every Pokemon generation, it's like okay, we got to have like got to have your two big pairing legendaries for the box cover, right. and then you got to have like a trio of some sort, and then some like tertiary legendaries over here in the corner. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they do. They they recycle. And the, all of that just feels like kind of a, a Mew derivation, really. Like, that's the root of that body type that keeps getting reiterated. And look, um, I am not envious of the position Game Freak is in where they have to, to make keep new Pokemon. Creating new Pokemon. But, it, yeah. Over time, it just felt like, okay, like, I get it. This gets harder and harder when you get up to a thousand different creatures and you have to make them look unique mm-hmm. and whatever. And you start making ice cream and sandcastles and whatever the fuck and genies. Well, isn't the story with the ice cream one that like a fan made that? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I, I think that's like one of the I don't know. Maybe that's urban legend or maybe I'm thinking of the wrong Pokemon. But I feel like there was some kind of like. I almost want to say, and it's shitty for me to like, if I'm wrong here, I was like, I make a wish type thing or something where a kid was like, I want to make a Pokemon. And they were like, yeah, we'll put your design in the game. And it was the ice cream. I could be completely wrong. Maybe you should and cut I like this all out. And I like vanillish. So I'm not trying to knock vanillish. But like once they started yeah. introducing uh, 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 anthropomorphic food, then it's like, well, now we got a fucking dog made out of dough. And its name is Fido. And yeah, 
Yeah. That's that's what I got. It's just like a game freak designer, just like dehydrated with giant bags under his eyes, just like half passed out on his desk. He's like, I fucking know. I I don't I don't got anything, man. We, okay, what about a dog that's made of donuts or bagel dough? And like, fine, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> I always wonder is so like Fido is an English pun, right? So is the Japanese name for that Pokemon also a pun on being a dog and being doe, or is it, is it, you know, or any of the other times? Like, you know, Ekans is snake backwards, and you could do Japanese snake backwards, and that would still be the same joke, you know, or or whatever. Sure. Uh, but like, the more complex the pun, the harder it is. I feel like to come up with a name that is both fitting in Japanese and English, probably. I think I think they I. I don't think they hold hard and fast to that rule. Yeah. Um, just because like, I don't know how closely like the localization teams work together on mm-hmm. that stuff. But yeah, I think if I were to assume, I would assume that like English localization gets a little bit of uh wiggle room to like make it fit. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know how silly the Japanese version I just, of, I wonder how many is. Pokemon were designed without a silly name. And then we, fucking sillied it up <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh he looks like a, a dog and yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um anyways so they have jirachi now jirachi has hatched from this crystalline egg they uh let's also talk about may's wish granter thingy i only want to talk about that to talk about how it doesn't like to skip all the way to the end it is this long trajectory throughout the movie she she you you want to you want to introduce it first yeah, i guess so, so they're walking around the the fair of, that they're at the millennium fair whatever the fuck they call it and there's a shop vendor that's basically appropriating indigenous like culture and he's got yeah. like you know leather or maybe leather. he's meant to actually I mean, like i read it as an, an appropriation but he, maybe yeah. he's meant to be an indigenous person but it feels it feels off-putting somehow yeah, he yeah. feels like he's f- wearing like fake native american regalia uh mm-hmm. Like a like a kind of sixties hippie would, uh, and he's got like a headband with like tie dye on it. Um, but he's selling like these dream catcher type things that are also like I forget what he calls it, but it's like some sort of wish maker, and it has like seven. So the comment is overhead for seven days, and he says that if you take this wish maker thing, and uh, there's like seven compartments that if you fold them over each one every night. And if you do that for all the nights that the the comet is in the sky for, you like you get a wish. And May like really clings on to this idea uh, and is very like devout. And every night she pulls this thing out and, and closes it. And it's never made super clear what what her, her wish would be. What yeah, what her wish is, but there is like kind of this undertone of the movie that her and Max have this attachment to like their mother or their family. And I don't remember like the background of this. Like I forget how Ash and these two yeah. or whatever, but like it makes it seem like their mother isn't around anymore. Right. That's the, and, like having not watched the show to have any context for them as characters. So they never say in this, our mother is dead, but, but they're always referencing her in this kind of like longing, sad way that implies to me that she's dead which also then implies that maybe the wish is going to be i wish my dead mom could come back (laughs) and so we spend six nights of this movie which is the whole movie with like 
dedicated scenes to May standing under the comet, even when all the other characters have forgotten it and have moved away, uh, standing under the, the, the stars and aiming this thing up at the comet and flipping down the panel and, and silently making her wish. And then on the seventh night, it's the climax of the movie. This has been going on for the entire duration and it's it's this big battle and everything's happening and that finishes up and it's morning and they're like, oh, did you make your seventh night wish? And she's like, ah, shoot. <laughs> like She just forgot to finish that out. And so it, like I fully thought it was either going to be, re- you know, I wish my mom could come back and then maybe she gets like a ghost moment with her mom and then her mom goes away and we get like answers about the afterlife in the Pokemon universe, or it's going to be, she had this wish in mind, but has to change it to save the day yes. at the end. And that, you know, that could be a, a fitting end to that arc, but instead it's literally, oops, slipped my mind. And then she says, well, you have to make your own dreams come true or something like that. Like, why did they put this in the movie just to ultimately ignore it? May's wish was to win the Mega Millions. She wanted that billion dollars yeah. really bad. Yeah. It's like, well, just got to pull myself up by my bootstraps. and. Oh, my God. I, I Like, it was filler that was maybe vaguely interesting. It certainly added characterization and, and, and a potential. And there was a moment where we find out that on that seventh night, Jirachi is going to go away, which is a big plot point and uh max is like super upset about that but it they didn't like we didn't get the catch on that i guess like immediately so max sees her making the wish on like you know two nights to go or something like that and uh he gets like real upset and like throws a fit and runs off and it's like oh this is the mother thing like that's definitely where this is going he's mad that she wants to bring the mother back because he doesn't think it's going to work and you know like yada 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 like i, I don't know and instead it, it it what i wonder truly is much like the first movie had a very different ending in the japanese cut did we lose something here and i haven't had time to look it up before we recorded so no idea <laughs> but but i it feels like they cut that out I wonder if it is a ghost like uh, they she did wish for the mom and they cut that out because they were like, this is inappropriate, but they've killed a child in this series. So <laughs> wait, they did. Yeah. The, the little girl ghost in the first movie, or is that that's the first movie little girl ghost, the, the dad scientist who oh, brought right, right, right. Back. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. That was also so, only well. No, that was that was in your version, right? Okay, all right. I'm all calling. Yeah, it. yes, right, right. Again, this is what I'm talking about. Just like, just all the memories of this of this podcast just leak out of my brain. Um, yeah, m- much like my memories of Jirachi after he has returned. We're, to, we're true to fans of this media. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, when you sit down and record a podcast, only once every two weeks. Sometimes <laughs> there's a whole lot of other life that's in between those recordings. I mean, like I said, stuff that has emotionally impacted me, that whole first Pikachu movie or, you know, Pokemon movie that that one sticks with me. Like, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and certain other movies have stuck with me as well. Uh, but a lot of these just slip right through. <laughs> so another component of this are our May and Max mother theory is the the lullaby. 
Am I talking about the lullaby? So is that the cadence? I've I've already I, forgotten. I, it I, it felt different every time she did it, which was another thing to me. I don't know if that's entirely internalized, but every time she did it. So one night they're in camp, and uh, Max is laying down with Jirachi, and she's trying to get him to go to sleep. So she just starts out of the blue going. Big Castlevania fans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she she's doing this, and then she's just like, huh, that's a lullaby my mom used to sing to us. And it's like, that's not singing. It's <laughs> just dooting. That's, yeah. that's scatting at best. <laughs> <laughs> that's just some just some angry dooting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then throughout the movie, she keeps doing this to get him to go to sleep and you know, singing this quote unquote lullaby. And then there is a moment at the very end of the movie where there's, you know, big dramatic swell up and they're like, everybody, let's sing it together. And everybody's just going do 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 <laughs> it's not good it's not a good song and i hope i hope to god i'm not being culturally insensitive and it's like some traditional form of singing or something like that that i'm just like completely ignorant to because it feels like they really wanted this to land as an emotional beat for the movie and I, I felt zero connection to it. I felt totally disconnected. I was just waiting for those scenes to be over every time she started singing. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> it's it, it was a attempted emotional beat that did not land because the delivery was so bad. Because that music didn't put me in a in an emotional space in any way. Like it wasn't a sweet lullaby. If anything, it took you further out yeah. of the movie because it just it 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 was so unnatural and poorly performed that it's like you're you're focused more on the delivery of the thing yeah. than like what it's supposed to represent yeah um okay so going back into the the plot so they have jirachi max is being friends with jirachi hey yeah we're having fun yay um <laughs> we are basically looking at our watches during this part waiting for the turn and the turn inevitably comes so one night the great butler goes into the trailer ash and friends are staying in and they may gets out of the trailer once again to go out and see the comet and like close one of the the class on the on the dreamcatcher wishmaker thing and she sees the great butler walking to the big top and uh she goes and alerts ash and, and co and we see that the great butler has taken jirachi out of the trailer and has put him on this platform and then pulls a lever and like all of these evil looking devices <laughs> yeah. rise up out of the Mad stage scientist in the big top. lab stuff yeah yeah and we and diane is also there because she is in assistance though she is very reluctant she's like oh, i don't know about this butler this seems like a bad thing to do and the villains obviously like quiet like we have to go through with it because otherwise there's no plot to this movie um (laughs) and so what is revealed is that this was the scientist that attempted to resurrect groudon for team magma so team magma could use groudon for their nefarious ends uh he had failed 
Yeah, uh, he was working completely scientifically before using yes. a fossilized piece of Groudon to generate this, you know, like resurrection machine. And now he's like, well, if science failed me, <laughs> wish magic can help. Yes. So I will use the power of the comet absorbed through Jirachi, uh, through Jirachi's true eye, which I want you to talk about that in a moment. <laughs> uh, but through Jirachi's true eye will allow Jirachi to have wish magic. And I'm going to use that wish magic energy to bring back Groudon and prove all of those Team Magma idiots wrong who thought I was a jerk. <laughs> yeah. And, and then they'll invite me back to their cool hangout club. Yeah, right. I hate not being a part of Team Magma. Yeah. Um, it didn't even feel like he believes in their cause. No. Right? It was like, purely ego. He just wants to show that he can actually do the thing they set out to do. And yeah, so the the true eye. So Jirachi's design, you know, Jirachi has two eyes with the kind of triangular head hat thing you know mm-hmm. it'd be a little baby body and then there's just kind of like this semicircle on its torso and you're like oh i thought kinda... it was i thought it was a pouch i thought it was like a kangaroo pouch oh i just thought it was like a pattern like like just some gotcha. weird like uh fur or skin pattern uh coloration and you're looking at it and you're like hmm that semicircle now they're talking about a true eye that sure does look like an eyelid <laughs> Yeah. And then this fucking giant eye opens up on Jirachi's torso and you're like, oh God, did they, why did they have to do this? <laughs> this cute little baby Pokemon. They just had to fucking go and Cronenberg it, didn't they? Just a, just a yeah. bit. Uh, but This is where I wish like the Ren and Stimpy style, like super high detailed <laughs> stills would come into sure. Pokemon. They just open the eye and you see like crust in the corners and curled <laughs> yeah. lashes. Right. And just <laughs> like, like, you know, like red lines from like eye strain or whatever yeah just, yeah just like a screen just ah! <laughs> yeah. yeah uh but using its third eye it starts absorbing energy from the comet okay that's the thing that can happen when you have a true eye in your belly i yeah i guess so uh yeah. it can shoot a laser beam up in the space thousands of hundreds of millions of light years away or whatever and absorb probably not that far no if you're like, seeing well, it yeah sure but, but like hundreds <laughs> hundreds of billions of of miles away at the very least uh and and hit it with a blight beam and then absorb the, the energy from it uh and then he's gonna use that gonna fill jirachi up in, with all that yummy space energy and then shake mm-hmm. him up and use it to resurrect Groudon. uh <sighs> there's also an absol yeah, I was trying to remember exactly when Absol entered the scene. It was a little because it would this, be before this. Yeah. Yes. Um, right. So Absol just shows up out of the blue and is like seemingly hunting Jirachi. It's like focused on Jirachi and Max. And there is a great line where the butler is like, um, it 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 shows up just before a tragedy and it's actively trying to kill a child and we're like yeah i think we get why <laughs> like i can see it performing a tragedy right now but beyond that every person in this movie 
is like a walking talking pokedex like why do yeah. why does professor oak have this put ash on this mission to go and collect data about pokemon when someone says the name jirachi and brock just goes oh jirachi that's the mythical wish making pokemon right yeah. it's like wait what why does everyone know everything about pokemon in fact we never hear the pokedex voice in this movie it, it's the same type of delivery but coming from other characters yes and not the pokedex I think the Pokedex gets pretty sidelined by like this yeah. point. Like it's it's no longer a kind of novelty. Yeah, narrative introduction because like every episode in the original show was like, oh, introducing a new Pokemon, and then Ash mm-hmm. has to flip the thing out and get the description because he's yeah. been a shut in for ten years. He's never seen <laughs> <laughs> any of these Pokemon. Well, that's another thing in this movie is by the end he's seen dozens of new Pokemon and has zero interest in them anymore he's not pokedexing them he's not catching them he's just like whatever it's cool that they're all around maybe this is why you're not the very best ash like no one ever was (laughs) because you're not doing your fucking job you're certainly not gonna catch them all yeah exactly he's just fucking up left and right um he just would he's just failing up in just getting into these miraculous mystical events just time and time again right he's so used to it by now he's like you know you throw a stone and you hit a mystical pokemon so who cares about it is true anything so the with the absol trying to attack the ringleader does manage to um drop him in a pit and then have him in a cage so he's here trying to break free seemingly we're starting to see the signs and it's kind of obvious narratively, but he's actually concerned about Jirachi being hurt um, and wants to break free to help. And then uh, the, the rest of the team led by may who, who saw Jirachi get kidnapped. They all rush the scene and help break Jirachi free and fend off some of the Pokemon of uh, great Butler. <laughs> um, uh, the greatest Butler all, there ever was. Yeah. And, and things might have gone bad here, but Diane, the assistant, uh, is like, this sucks. I, <laughs> I don't want to be evil. I'm helping these kids. So she gets in the bus and drives them all, the, the Winnebago that they've been staying in, <laughs> yeah. um, and drives them all off uh, into the desert. Um, the only small plot point that happens you know, in addition is they do manage to put a tracking device on the bus, which I guess tells great butler where they're headed although you point out at the end of the movie it's like the only place they would possibly head like obviously yes. it's where they're headed it is it but is e- jirachi's origin point so of course they're going to re- return jirachi there also the tracker gets knocked off like several days yeah. into their journey so it's of no use to the greater plot anyways yeah and they never mention it they never like oh we lost track of them it's going to slow us down or anything it's just like oh it fell off but we still show up at the same spot at yeah. the same time it's a half-hearted commitment to a small needless yeah. plot point right it didn't need to be there we haven't talked about drachi's powers <laughs> yes so drachi they believe drachi can grant wishes and max is like i want a wish i want candy which terrible first wish kid think bigger but Have whatever. you never seen the movie Kazam where the kid asks for all that junk food and then Shaquille O'Neal, star of Kazam, then summons a literal mountain of, of fast food to his dismay? <laughs> and what about um, Shazam? <laughs> with <laughs> with, with uh, uh, fuck, it's in bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I, I, I am in the camp where I swear that movie existed. And like, I, I do believe that it didn't exist now. I can accept that, but I also would have totally sworn before, you know, I love watching the movie Shazam while reading my Berenstein bears book. And then yes. afterwards I watched that episode street sharks with Roxy, the female street shark. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Now that one is fun because that was a manufactured <laughs> yes. experience, like where they created it for everyone. And I never, like, I remember Street Sharks, and I don't remember Roxy. So, like, <laughs> well, you're uh, not a true fan. That's the problem, Nick. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so they they make the wish for candy, and candy starts just like flooding their their van to the point where they like ejected out because it's too much candy um but we cut to the carnival which is like just nearby and there's a vendor who's trying to sell people stuff and all of his like candy and crackers and stuff are disappearing and he's like my livelihood (laughs) (laughs) this is gonna financially ruin me yes (laughs) um they do end up giving the candy back at some point so whatever (laughs) but i do i do love they find out that it's the wishes that that Jirachi can grant at least without the comet energy are are just um uh just teleporting things so yes, Jirachi yes. can teleport stuff which does have the lead to the best joke in the movie do you want to yes. yeah where Bay goes Jirachi you need to fix this problem and Jirachi's like fix the problem and then just zoop, teleports May away <laughs> so we now know that Jirachi is a sexist <laughs> well the best part about it is this and like 15 other things in this movie right before they happen you made a joke that they were going to happen like when when he goes up on stage and is like uh ash get in this box and he's like i'm gonna light it on fire and then he's like i'm going to light it on fire (laughs) like yes (laughs) or like the you know teleporting all the all the snack foods away it's like oh this guy's job he's like my job (laughs) yeah you you had every beat right before the movie did and that one that one got me so good when you were like get rid of the problem okay may you're gone i'm teleporting you to space and then she dissolves and we were both like what And the, the thing is, like, I, I'll admit, I'm a little pleased that I'm able to, like, so easily predict this movie. But also, yeah. it's, like, the most easily predictable movie, right? It's sure, like, sure. You know, you just, you see, you know, you. it's not even, like, being clairvoyant. It's just, like, okay, what's the lowest hanging fruit? What's the easiest, what's the path of least resistance plot I and I like joke-wise? <laughs> I'm not... Like like it, it it has its it has its punch, but it's like it's also like you and I could also yeah. have easily like gone down Absolutely. that path. And that's and that's and that's the complaint, right? It's like this movie has no grander vision and whatever. It's you know, we are two guys on a podcast complaining about a children's movie about Pokemon. From like, from how many years ago? Yeah, from two thousand four. Like, yes, like I see all the, the flaws here. Like we are we are yes. slowly wasting our, our, our lives complaining yeah. about something. Our that, limited existence is dedicated to complaining about movies we will have no impact on. But it still is interesting just from a a uh intellectual standpoint of like you know always trying to do better always trying to improve how could we improve this thing how could we like make it better how could it service how could it be more endearing entertaining 
memorable to a greater number of people because it doesn't just have to be you know i didn't know they still had vikings yeah i hear they're only in minnesota like it can be something grander than that if it wishes to and if it doesn't whatever fine that's whatever but it's still fun to poke and prod and point those things out yeah absolutely um so so the jirachi's teleporting powers do become a major you know feature throughout the film you know there there's a lot of that um it's going to be hard to like necessarily reference all those points but just worth noting that teleportation is like a problem solver countless times in this movie um and then they they do get to jirachi's homeland eventually after a good montage and some more wishing on the star and that kind of thing the the homeland is um I, I want to say it looks kind of like South American jungle. You've got these like huge rock formations, but lush jungle form, uh, lush jung- jungle growth on them. Um, and it kind of creates this valley of nestled, you know, like uh, Pokemon life rich uh, uh, pathways. Um, so they start walking through there and they see a Flygon. And uh, do you want to, you, you're good at this. Do you, you want to name some <laughs> of what see, they've seen? They see a Flygon. They see a Nuzleaf. They see uh, uh the Swalu, Swablu, the one, the the blue yeah, po- Swablu, Pokemon yeah. with the the cloud wings, um, an Electric, uh, Lanoon, things. Just Gen I, 3, I knew you would have a list Pokemon. in your head, yeah, just ready to go. <laughs> yeah, so just like a whole bunch of Pokemon that I, I'm guessing Ash has not seen before. Maybe he has in the show, but everybody's just like ooing and eyeing, which is also 50% of the audio in this movie is ah. various forms of ooh, ooh, ah. Ah. <laughs> it's wild. Uh, it's, wild. It's, it's like one of those just, you know, I know it's indicative of anime. It's like just, it's, it's one of those cultural things, but it just sticks in my craw in such a bad yeah. way. Well, I, I, I felt like it was extra egregious in this one. Yeah. For some reason, it felt like more of the reactions were oohs and ahs as opposed to any kind of dialogue um, very often. Uh, but they they find the cave and they find an, they, they get some explanation. I can't remember if it's Diane who just tells them or if they figure it out. But essentially, Jirachi lives in this cave, sleeps for a thousand years, wakes up when the comet comes, absorbs the comet's energy through its true eye, and then goes back to sleep and slowly seeps out that energy through the ground into the environment. So the entire jungle here feeds off of the energy that Jirachi provides for a thousand years, and that's why life is so abundant here and it's so verdant and everything. Um, and that's just Jirachi's job, I guess. Jirachi's happy to do it. His Jabrachi. Jabrachi. Hey, you Jabrachi. <laughs> What's the matter, you? Get over here, you Jabrachi. <laughs> Um, it's so, our second second time in as many episodes where we have taken an italian like accent like caricature and mixed it with jirachi oh is it yeah <laughs> that part i didn't remember but you know we, we both get a pass right because we both have italian heritage so yeah exactly well, we're allowed yeah. to make fun of italians as much as we yeah, want that wasn't the part i was complaining about I was okay i just how, yeah how easily we slide into that yeah um but uh <laughs> um so they're they're gonna set up for you know open your your true eye again absorb the comet and go to sleep 
need to say some goodbyes uh, between Max and Jirachi because Max is losing a best friend and he's sad. Um, but in that last second before Jirachi starts to absorb the comet, in comes like electric grapples. They they lock on to Jirachi, pull it up to the platform, yeah. and the great butler has uh, has arrived and has captured him. They're um, like they're like spokes. They're like origination points, or like these metal spokes that like come out of the actual kind of oculus that this rock formation has made in this in this cavern. And it's like, did, were those always there? Like, I mean, like were they there? <laughs> did, since? He, did he put them there when he arrived? Yeah, yeah. Like, did he put him there when they originally found Jirachi, or did he get here ahead of time and quickly? <laughs> drilled them into place uh i don't know it's very dr robotnik-esque like in the sonic movies mm. where it's just he's on the fl- flying floating platform and he's got all these devices that unfold and do a bunch of crazy shit like they did at the carnival yeah yeah exactly just his robotics um and we we get a little bit of history with him and diane here as well before this attack happens where She's like, I've always loved him, and you know, I've always known I was going to be with him forever. We were kids when we met, and he used to do magic tricks for me. And then the kind of unstated thing is he clearly left magic behind, went on to his science, mm-hmm. um, got rejected from his you know Team Magma Science community, went into magic as a means to just you know i don't know if he's just using it financially or cover or what, but to eventually get to this point now where he has Jirachi and can go back again to Team Magma. Yeah, um, and they have this flashback in spite of all of this. Yeah, and they have this flashback where when they were kids and he's like doing a magic trick in front of her, but they're like in this. She even then calls him Butler, but yes. they're like in this very uh, ornate Opulent. looking palace. Yeah. So was he like part of like this the servants? Yeah. Was he <laughs> her, like her Butler? It's like, and then like you keep following, you keep pulling on that thread, and you're like. Is she the one financing all this stuff? Is she like oh, the sugar mama to to his that's like funny mad scientist? I desperately need funding for the everything I need. That's funny. I hadn't I had not considered that, but that totally works. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they never say, so it's hard to know. But it, yeah. it would totally work if that's how he ended up having all that access how shitty though if his title is butler as a child (laughs) and he goes by the great butler as an adult like i hope not (laughs) you gotta gotta star him young yeah in in the pokemon universe all pokemon are defined by their name of their species and all butlers are defined by the name of their species those subhuman servants (laughs) (laughs) it's uh it's uh, it's like the officer Jennings and nurse joys the Pokemon right, universe right. Is, you know is is really just a uh extended metaphor for the uh omelias right it's just like it's it's this entire utopia is built on the suffering of, of just of a like the lower class people yes to the point where they are dehumanized into class titles and not even given real identities yes fuck <laughs> All right, well, that's canon for me now. It's <laughs> captures Jirachi, pulls it up on the platform, hooks it up to the machine, and starts laser etching this like summoning runes outline of yes, uh, Groudon, which is giant, like so much bigger than I was predicting, Godzilla size, right? Very um, Mesoamerican looking yes. kind of uh, hieroglyphics of a depiction of Groudon. 
Yeah. Comet uh, energy gets absorbed. We should at this point mention Team Rocket has been around the whole movie following in their hot air balloon and ah. like trying to capture Pikachu at one point, doing probably their best job of ever trying to capture Pikachu, but getting defeated, of course, and intending to capture Jirachi, but only just kind of being around and never doing anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're here watching um, Groudon. Uh, the energy gets captured from the comet, goes into Groudon. Groudon comes out of the ground, but immediately Butler is like, oh, something's gone wrong. This isn't the Groudon I was expecting to get. I, and there's no explanation as to why, but Groudon starts to like erupt with these weird goo tentacles <laughs> yeah, coming like, out of its side. I, I don't know what you read these at. At first, I was confused because it looked like water. And I was like, well, oh, Mr. Uh, clearly, clearly it wouldn't be him. Like, I mean, like Groudon's the ground Pokemon. Why would he have the water? But like, it, it seems more like primordial ooze or something. He seems like a, a kind of retrograde version of Groudon where he's still like glowing. Like when they did the re-release of Ruby and Sapphire and they had like the mega evolution stuff for Groudon and hmm. Kyogre, they had like a primordial version where they were like kind of this more like glowing and even cool, more okay. ancient looking. So it looks it looks very similar to that. So maybe this is where those games got inspiration of that design. See, I hadn't played any of those, so I didn't do that generation, so I didn't know. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm thinking maybe that's that's kind of like where the designer's brains are at. It's like, oh, this is an even more like ancient and origination mm-hmm. version of Groudon. Okay. I'll, I'll I'll buy that. Yeah. So, but what it's doing is absorbing literally everything around it. So it reaches out with these goo tentacles. And the first thing it hits is Absol, who's there to protect Jirachi and like globs over it and just sucks it right into its body. And we're like, oh shit. And then in like has like 50 of these tentacles. So it whips them out to every surrounding Pokemon. And it's just grabbing everything in the area, um, leaving only... Pikachu, uh, uh, the great butler has a Salamance that he had brought with him and a Flygon that just decides to be the coolest Flygon in the world and help out and is like, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm on this. Despite so, you dunking on it every chance you get. About I did. I, right before goggles. that, I was like, I hate those eyes. I really hate that it wears goggles. Like, it's so stupid. I do hate that. They should just be bug eyes. I mean, <laughs> they're basically bug eyes just with like another inner eye it's dumb i hate it <laughs> it's not a compound eye it's just a goggle over a regular eye you don't know you don't know i guess i, I mean, don't know how complex dif- if it's two different eyes like uh, that's a type of compound you think it has an eye, eye inside an eye. It's, it's a two-part compound eye instead of like yes, a hundred yes. facets yeah. like a fly Here, let me show you this diagram i've, I've drawn up <laughs> laser pointer <Beep. laughs> um okay uh Flygon flies Ash and Pikachu and some of the other characters around. Salamance is flying Great Butler around. Great Butler is like, oh, shit, I fucked up. Uh, But just too late because one of those goo tendrils reaches out, goes to hit him, and Diane throws herself in the way. And she gets grabbed. And she's like, hey, if I got to die, at least I get to die looking at you. (laughs) Gets slurped right up. Um, and it's pretty dark because they they yeah. at the at the very least in the movie's favor they let it linger a second being like oh fuck what happened to all these people did they get like dissolved into the primordial soup that is these tendrils and no ultimately it shows that they are like being absorbed into Groudon's belly because I guess the inside of of Groudon is just goo and they are yeah. like being held in place by like these bubbles right and, each given their own little safety bubble which is like oh. 
I want to at least have them be like choking and struggling, you know, like not you know, you can't kill them, but um, yeah, I, I do think this whole scene would play so much better if they didn't show that they were safe. If you were like completely unsure, then it would be wild because there's even a moment where somebody sacrifices their life or, you know, seems to sacrifice their life to ensure the the resolution here. And it's like, well, we already know he's fine. Like, it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, like you're saying, it gives it gives just long enough of a moment where you're like, whoa, this is this is dark. This is scary. And the animation is good enough that it's selling. Like when the goo hits, it could have easily been like so many of these movies like uh, a 3D tentacle like smacks a 2D thing and then just yanks it back and it would be nothing. Or it could have been like it hits and it glows and disappears no, this is truly horrific. Like the goo hits, it anchors on multiple points on the model, and then it like pulls and surrounds. It has that full like you ever seen like that magnetic putty that like grapples over yeah. a magnet. It has that effect, and it looks it looks truly horrific. Like this would be a terrible way to die, and that that makes this scene awesome. <laughs> like I think that works. It feels when the goo hits. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, ultimately, the solution presented by uh, Great Butler is reverse the polarity. You gotta <laughs> reverse the polarity. If there's anything Scotty taught me on Star Trek is you got to reverse the polarity. That's right. Uh, they're going to reverse the polarity on the machine that made Groudon, but they need Jirachi to absorb that energy in order to to end this. So they have to fly around, distract the creature, get on the platform. Once they land there, this is where lots of the teleporting Jirachi stuff happens. Uh, land there, put Jirachi in the machine and face the the comet um, with the, the true eye open. And then uh, uh, literally <laughs> grab the fossil in its container and just turn it the <laughs> other way. <laughs> yes. And there is a good like moment of panic where like Butler picks it up and goes to turn it around and like it slips out of his hand because the platform has been like knocked into a cliff. So it's kind of tilted and it like rolls off the side uh, and he's like, oh, no. And then Ash like swoops in and grabs it, which that resolution's like, OK, like Ash was yeah. like trying to distract Groudon and now he's miraculously grabbing the in the, the right capsule. spot, the right moment. Yeah. Um. But it still got that. And also, like, we didn't really uh, press upon the the fact that Butler has, like, switched sides, which is, yeah. like, a a trope in and of itself of like the but of, of the the butler of the bad guy realizing that <laughs> evil butler um, yeah. of the bad guy, uh, you know, realizing the errors of their ways and, and joining the good guys to defeat an even greater evil. That's a common thing, but we haven't seen it yet in a Pokemon movie. What we've normally seen is someone that seems to be a good guy and then switches and turns out to be evil. And this is like the second mm-hmm. or third time we've seen that now uh, with this movie. Um, so it is nice because he does have this genuine like shock and horror of like the thing that he has wrought. And once it pulls Diane away from him, he has even a, a, a further breakdown in regret and remorse and decides to to try to fix his problem. Plus, with all this tech, he probably has a camera set up somewhere so he can still prove it to the Team Magnet. And still get <laughs> Look back at this. In. Look at this. <laughs> I brought this thing back and I took it away. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, cool. I mean we wanted to keep it yeah <laughs> no 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 you don't want this yeah, <laughs> yeah. trust me you don't want this 
Um, and Groudon is also not only absorbing the Pokemon, but is destroying the landscape. Like, like foliage yeah. is like dying and decaying. Like he is a he is a destroyer. He is a bringer of doom. Uh, very apocalyptic. Um, so Butler sacrifices himself. Ash flips the switch, and uh, Jirachi sucks the energy up. And then, like rocket punches, uh, Groudon into space or and explodes. Um, and from that explosion, he starts teleporting down all of the saved Pokemon and Team Rocket and everybody else who got sucked up inside this thing mm-hmm. uh, into into safe points down below. And uh, the resolution is pretty quick from this point on. Um, Jirachi is going to go to sleep back in his little crystal egg. And that's going to feed the land for a thousand years. And then um, uh, Max is sad, but understands. And, you know, they'll always be friends. Um, Diane and Butler are still in love and they're going to stay in this magic jungle. Yeah. What does that mean? Like, are they just going to like uh, cast off any premise of like are they just gonna live off the land and like get rid of all technology like what does that mean yeah well like... butler has committed a lot of crimes and he's probably just <laughs> yes. hiding out yeah <laughs> um and that's that's our movie right like they the kids you know the, well we've already talked about how the the wish never came to fruition this is the scene where they talk about that um, but there is some weird talk of like Jirachi telling Max, like you made all of my wishes come true. And it's like, I guess like friendship. Is that the wish that you're yeah. talking about? The greatest wish you could ask for. Um, and everybody else is like, well, we have our wishes too. Uh, they all, they're all, they're all true. All of our wishes are true. We're not going to talk about them. The theme, <laughs> the theme of wishes in this movie is very weak. It's, yes. it's like, it's a strong kernel of an idea that lacks follow-through like i like the flipping of expectations of jirachi can't actually provide wishes he just teleports mm-hmm. as a like stopgap to fulfilling wishes but beyond that there's a lot left i just wish i wish that the movie did more with his witch with its wishes i also wish it did more with witches but that's another great <laughs> conversation. Well, great. Well, fu- fucking great. I was going to cut out that st- stuttering of mine, but now I got to keep it in <laughs> because you, you just made a fucking it. joke. And now I've commented on your joke. So now he has to stay in even more. So thanks. Yeah. No escape. Uh, you could cut all of this and no one would know, but now you won't. Or maybe I will. And now I'll start uh, right here. Anyways, Nick, what did what you, you say about so- witches? God damn it. <laughs> all right. Well, that was Pokemon Jirachi Wishmaker. Yeah. What what's next for us? Because, you know, like every Pokemon movie, it ends with a, a long montage of them walking away onto the next adventure. Yeah. What's our next adventure to walk to? Uh we're walking back to another franchise that uh you and I both uh enjoy that we wish there was more of. Um our next movie we'll be watching uh, it's from this little, you know, this indie director. I, already, you know, d- I know what you're about to say, <laughs> and I hate it. I hate does, it so much. Doesn't doesn't get you know? It's it's a movie about you know the 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 meta narrative of this movie. It's about true love. It's about finding love on a on a on a movie set. It's it's a director falling in love with the, the main actress. It's it's Paul W S Anderson, and in his true love, Mila Jovovich back again with 
Resident Evil colon Apocalypse, which is always a confusing title because Apocalypse sounds like the end of a franchise as opposed to the second entry in a, what, nine film series or something like that? Well, to be fair, eight of these movies do take place during an apocalypse. (laughs) It's uh, It's all one apocalyptic series. Very long. Well, yeah, it feels apocalyptic to me every time I watch it. (laughs) Um, So look forward to that next time.